All right, it's Ken Pepitone again. I'm on the porch. It's nighttime. I have the system that I essentially dreamed of having. This USB microphone allows my voice to be reasonable enough for what a podcast is supposed to do, right? I mean, you're whatever you're doing, you're looking around for something to listen to to perhaps provoke you to some good work. That's what podcasts have done for me in the past few years. They have provoked me to good works. Um, I, I mapped something that happened to me in 2016 and early 2017, I suppose. I mapped that to something that I read about happening to Carl Jung, the, the psychologist who was into... Um, alchemical explanations for symbology and things like that. And we'll we'll talk about him in the future when I have notes in front of me and I'm sitting at the computer instead of sitting on the couch on the porch watching about a three-quarter moon just... I'm in the shadow of that moon right now so it's not all that bright and I'm thinking about today what it was possible for me to do in terms of just input absorption of interesting information that I have the means to fact check and one of the things that happened was my discovery of the person behind uh, hardcore history, Dan Carlin. I watched all three of his appearances with Joe Rogan today, parts of all three of them. Maybe the whole thing's possible. <laughs> I, uh, I began my day around six o'clock this morning. It's probably about nine o'clock tonight. I've gotten a lot done today. I plan to get a lot more done every day, not as a uh, stress and strain kind of get a lot more done, but as I learn to use the tools that are available to me and to you, that's a big part of the story. I'm thinking that people of my generation, post-World War II people, baby boomers, that generation, who uh, did know big deal anything in your whole life but survived this far you have endured this far 
and uh, we don't allow bitching and moaning on this at this level it's that's just not part of getting to the point where you could actually enjoy listening to this kind of a podcast so what we're talking about here is being like 70 years old and and honest to God asking yourself why should I continue to live if I'm worthless to anybody if if some guy my son suggested that I listen to this guy and I can't remember his name right off the top of my head but he wrote The War on Art and um very sharp pointed stick my son poked me with says you know you got to stop talking about what you know to people you've already talked about what you know with you know how you tell your kids the same story over and over and over and over again and they don't want to hear it again? You tell your wife the same story over and over and over again she doesn't want to hear it again. So as you turn that corner around 68 and everything that you knew for sure was true <clears throat> somehow falls through a psychological maelstrom of of epic epic proportions you know it's like going between those two Grecian rocks where there was always that whirlpool and you were between the rock and the whirlpool I think it was I can't remember right now and once again the the more formal part of what I'm going to do is putting things together that I've been collecting for a long time now that I think about it but I have tools to uh, you know make faxes facsimile digital images for the internet so this thing could be instead of just a YouTube I mean a an audio broadcast it could be a YouTube with um, non-irritating graphics, you know, images that are artfully related to the message that is being attempted and not carrying a message that is completely different than the message that is being put forth, which is this, that we are the healthiest old people who have ever lived on the planet since the end of the last ice age i think i can safely say that and you can find all kinds of science to back me up if you want to but we are the most powerfully voiced senior citizens who have ever existed on this planet any one of us who wishes to learn to use the tools that are now common they are 
they are part of the kind of human being who thrives in 2019 on planet Earth where we now have the knowledge that is as secure as any knowledge we have that there is no other place within the reach of mortal man where mortality can go through all its stages from conception to last breath. No other place besides here, Earth, planet Earth, and uh, as individuals, the only peace on this planet that you and I really have much control over is that peace which is in us. And I appreciate Sam Harris's efforts to establish little anchor places for people to tie a thread, a peaceful, safe place to find a, a place, a, a Selah kind of place, a place where you just rest. True rest, I think, is the point of any meditative experience where the object is being still and knowing I am God and dealing with the objective subjective aspects of such a statement that is found written in the King James Version of the Bible the one where Jesus asked some people didn't you read where he said you were gods? We are a, we're a different kind of human being. If I came here to this state of mind that I live in, this, this peace, this wonderful, peaceful valley that is just exactly what I was hoping to have, in my last days, if I spend my days counting my blessings and not whatever else you would count, your nulls, I'm here and I'm saying uh, I've got friends who are less happy than I who did not get to this point that I am. Partly because they don't believe in believing. They don't understand the act of letting be anything. Uh, this is a, uh, it's a practiced thing, and that's why Sam Harris and that, that meditative yoga way of just, hey, learn to govern 
your own peace, the bubble of peace that you live in, learn to govern that. And if you are a name caller and you call yourself a Christian, and you understand that you can't do that unless you can honestly say that you love your enemies. God, honest to God, be able to say that. Nine times out of ten, at least. Yeah, maybe not. Ninety-nine out of a hundred. Enemies have to be defined you must define them. You may find those who define you as their enemy. The way that works, I think, is uh, ancient. There's a, there's a kind of force that exists in the world that is evil force. And it's kind of like uh, the dark matter in the universe. We know it's there. We just can't put our finger on it, so to speak. What is the power that empowers evil itself, the idea of evil, which is death in its most ultimately imagined form. Which has a hell in it for most folks, you know, the worst you can possibly imagine has a hell in it. And sad to say, I think there is a phase that human beings go through in their maturity, and it may be, it, it is definitely more pronounced in homo sapiens sapiens augmented us children. The children who have grown up in the time of iPads and Android tablets and Chromebooks and, and smartphones, those children are exposed to more evil by the time they're 10 years old than any or all of the male, female human beings in the town I grew up in at the time I grew up in it, around 3,000 people, say. Of those 3,000 people, I would venture to say there were very, very, very few who could have imagined sex in the city being a 
program on pay TV that was basically only available to the elite first run, but by now it's on Netflix, 10 bucks a month, and the whole trailer park can share one internet connection. We're doing fine. There's something about the potential of the meek inheriting the earth and the fact that the poor you have with you always. But there is nothing about being poor that has misery connected with it if you're actually paying attention to the honorable harvest that is available to us every day that our feet hit the floor and we discover that, hey, I can define a reason for the faith that is in me. And because there are idiots out there saying that we need to do away with faith, and they are misdefining religion to mean what they think it means. I contend that the word religion is an expression of an idea that has to do with tying one thing to another. I think about it sometimes as that that which is between the two imaginary particles of a cork that can be separated by God knows how far and they are entangled and there's some force between them that does entangle them. That entangling is awesomely powerful when you look at it at the scale of the universe. And consider that uh, that orderliness at that level has something to do with any orderliness at all that you have in the level you exist in right now. Because you've known since seventh grade science that there's nothing solid in this world. That these particles within the when I was in seventh grade, they were, sh they were still teaching us Bohr molecules. So we made molecules out of things like uh, marshmallows and toothpicks, tinker toys. But now we know that atoms are more energy, force, bubble-like in so many ways. Force field-like, like magnets that we can hold to in our hand and we can feel that power as we, as we prevent them from either being attracted to or repelling from one another. We can feel that power there there are those kinds of powers in even words that we can say to one another 
but we can say words to one another now that are calming words if we intend them to be that way. There are liars abounding in this world. But you see, the rule that is in application here in my life, there's some great stories I'll tell you about this rule and how it got carved so deeply. Don't lie, not even a little. Because I used to call chaos confusion. They're not the same thing at all. And that's probably going to be about as much as we need to talk about right now. Um, as I learn, I'll learn to do longer conversations where I begin with a point in mind where I'm going to go. Right now, all I'm doing is every single day I'm going to tell somebody, hey, if you always wanted to have a radio show all your life, you wanted to be Rush Limbaugh or something. I didn't never wanted to be Rush Limbaugh, but I did want to be the preacher in the pulpit at church, especially when the guy at the pulpit in church was preaching bullshit. And uh, I couldn't say that in church. But you can if you pay attention to the idea that churches were supposed to represent, that they don't represent anymore. And that level of the definition, the defined thing of religion that has this institution with all these buildings and these traditions of gathering on Sunday morning and going through various stages of rites that have been passed on for generations and have been forgotten for God knows how long. That is done away in most lives, I imagine. In my own circle, it's gone from everybody I know to just a few, handful, less than 20. But beyond that are people who wrestle with the idea of who would dare to say, I believe in God. I would dare to say that. I'm 71 years old and that's how I got here. I came in through the door that Jesus said he is. I don't necessarily care what door you came into to get to here. But to get past the father point of everything that exists in all the 
psychological and alchemical and magical and religiosities and all the logos attempts to make something as big as the idea of an all-father. Did you ever notice that when, when people ask Jesus how to pray, Catholics call it the Our Father. I guess it's a kind of punishment that sometimes when they go to confession, they have to go and say, three Our Fathers and, and a, a number of Hail Marys or something, some kind of repetitious, vain repetition. Anyway, when Jesus was teaching those people how to pray that prayer, you know, he, he was answering a question. And he said, how do you start it? Um, our Father. That's who we're praying to. He said, you're not, you're not praying to me. I'm not telling you, say, hey, Jehovah, Yahweh, unutterable name. I'm not telling you to call him Lord and Master. I'm saying, our Father, your name is holy. It's separate from all the other names. It's There's not another name like it. His name is to him as my DNA is to me. As my fingerprints are to me. As the iris of my eye is to me. His name is thus. So that's what he told them to pray. To begin with. Didn't tell them to repeat it. Call it an Our Father and use it to punish children for having cheated on their algebra test. That's enough for a chapter or whatever. One of these less than an hour long. Thank you for listening and... um, The idea is that he who would catch fish must venture his bait. And the bait is not for people to be converted to my way of thinking, but for me to see who else is swimming in this pond with me.